Hello and welcome to the technical area. I'm Ross Pauly, longtime player and coach in soccer. Soccer's given me so much, and I know God has given me the passion and the love of this beautiful game as a player, as a coach, and as a fan. The technical area is a marked zone next to the field where the manager stands, watches the match, delivering key messages and instructions to those on the pitch. As a coach, it is very important to help lead and guide my team and individuals with clear direction and encourage confidence to help them be effective, overcome challenges, and play to win. Today, my friend, Rev Brad, longtime chaplain in soccer, is going to break down a particular piece in the Bible. He'll deliver some coaching and counseling instructions for those of us who are a part of this beautiful game in a way that is applicable to our lives today. So grab a Bible, get prepared to focus for a moment in this technical area. Hello, everyone. This is Reb Brad. So today I want to share something that I've found myself using a lot in the past few years. And it's something that I use as I work with athletes, coaches, executives, and others in soccer. Uh, Probably I think today's piece will be most helpful for a coach or executive, but I think it could also be applied for an athlete or even maybe an athlete's family members as well. In fact, recently I shared this with my teenage daughters to kind of help them with some relationship issues that they were facing, just as a way of just giving them some coaching or some instruction. You know, many times in the industry of football or soccer, there's many layers to the people we work with. Some of this, I think, is just due to the global nature of the game. And there are more layers, probably too many to name, that impact our work with others in the beautiful game. Ultimately, though, the game of football centers around relationships. And there are many relationship combinations that I think could be considered as we think about ways to apply this today. So, I mean, you've got athlete-coach, for example, coach-to-coach relationships, coach-to-executive relationships, owner-to-executive, and many, many more. So, our text today comes from the Gospel of Luke. Since this is the first episode in this new series, let me set the stage a little bit for where we're going and how we're going to get there. First, after a short introduction, like I've just given, I'm going to read the biblical text with maybe a short setup. Let me encourage you, have a Bible handy. You can use one on your phone, or if you've got a print Bible, that works even better. You also might want to have a notepad, a journal, some other way of writing things as you hear the text and as we go through the exercise together. There might be some different things that stand out to you, or you might have some questions. Hopefully, I can anticipate these and address them in this time. You know, much like a coach who's in the technical area, sometimes we have to see the game, we have to see the match, and we have to see ahead and behind to kind of understand context and then address those things. So the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to look at various elements in the biblical passage that I think are helpful to consider. I'll try to explain the various meanings and interpretation, and as much as possible, I'm going to try to simplify and make the text easy to understand and to apply. Then finally, I'm going to work to apply those elements to particular situations that might occur in a football environment. I'll try not to belabor any points or be extra about it. I just might stick with one example, and hopefully you can do the translation work for your context. So, for example, if I explain, hey, this might apply to a coach or a manager, and you're an athlete, well, hopefully it's simple enough to flip it, to figure out, oh yeah, I can see how these principles might apply to my situation. And of course, a lot of these principles have longer lasting and further reaching application into other parts of our lives. 
I might mention those from time to time, but I won't maybe draw out an example or a parallel too much into that. I'm just going to hope that you can apply these in that kind of a situation as well. You know, for example, if someone's listening right now and they're married, they could go, oh, well, I could use this with my, my partner, my spouse, and, and they could figure out some way to, to apply it that way. Of course, there's many ways to apply these principles, um, but I'm going to kind of mainly stick to football examples. All right. Sound good? Let's, let's go. I've entitled today's talk, Working Toward Flourishing, Lesson from Luke 13. Uh, let me give some credit in advance to Dr. Henry Cloud. He's written a lot of books and delivered many messages on leadership. It was really a talk that I was listening to by Henry that helped highlight this text for me. And he pointed out some things in the talk. And I, I've gone through some of the books and notes that I have of his. I can't necessarily find exactly which book this comes out of. I know there's maybe some videos or talks online where maybe he talks about Luke 13. So just know he's spoken a number of times to this, and these ideas aren't necessarily original to me, but I'm rather trying to explain and distill it into a football or soccer context. So our text today is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Luke 13, verses 6 through 9. While you're finding that text, you're looking it up, or maybe you just even need to pause the podcast right here. I'm going to give some background and context. Jesus has been speaking and preaching to a crowd of people. In chapter 12, Luke, the author, describes a crowd of thousands, and there's so many of them that they're trampling on each other to get close enough to listen to Jesus. And Jesus, in his typical way, his typical fashion, he starts by speaking to his disciples, his closest friends, his followers. So a lot of other people are kind of listening in. And some of them start interjecting and asking Jesus questions. And we see Jesus talking back and forth, not only to the disciples, but to some of those that are in the crowd asking some of these questions. And really a lot of what's being discussed, a lot of what's going on is Jesus and the folks talking about current events. Uh, Just prior to our text, in the beginning of chapter 13, Jesus is talking about the need for repentance. And that really builds up to our story. Uh, This story is a parable. A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a larger truth, like a moral or spiritual lesson. Parables are likely kind of true stories in the sense that most people listening would go, oh yeah, yeah, that's happened to me, or I know someone that's been through that. For example, if I started a story today and I said, you know, it was that moment when the typical locker room banter started. Well, most of us around soccer or football would go, oh yeah, I know what locker room banter is and what that means. And we would kind of start to find ourselves comfortable in the story. Well, I said simple setup, but I've gone on for a bit. So let's get to it. Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. And let me read. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Then he, Jesus, told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. 
So let's now look at the different elements in the parable. First, we've got the owner of the vineyard. Our text here doesn't use the word owner, but from other translations, from context, we can understand that the vineyard belongs to him. And I just want to point out three different things. First, the owner comes and he notices no fruit. Three years. Now, three years is about how long it takes for many fruiting trees, fig trees, apple trees, to start showing signs of bearing fruit. And if they don't bear fruit within that typical period, then it's likely they won't bear fruit at all. So we can tell that the owner of the vineyard knows his trees and plants. He's, he's reached the specific time frame, and he kind of knows and understands, hey, if I'm not seeing anything by now, it's unlikely to produce fruit anymore or at all. The second thing is this. The owner wants to cut it down. Truth is, a tree is not fulfilling its purpose. As a fig tree, the primary purpose is to produce figs. There could be other trees that can offer up shade and covering, and we'll get into this next, but the fig tree itself was taking up space and also taking up resources, namely the nutrients in the soil. And because there wasn't any fruit, uh, we can understand a couple things might be going on. For example, this particular tree may have been diseased or it might be dying. And so this too creates some other problems which we're going to talk about and get into. The third thing we see though is the owner makes this last comment. Why should it use up the soil? Now, depending on where you and I might live, this might kind of feel like a curious thing to say, but in Palestine, soil is precious, good soil especially. The owner knows that the tree is drawing up the nutrients out of the soil to stay alive, to leaf out, but without fruiting, the tree is pretty useless. And there are other trees, there's other plants and needs that are happening within the vineyard. So the owner is making a careful stewardship of the land. The soil, the resources going into this tree, well, it's got to match its place. It's got to match its, its production or its intent, its purpose. And, you know, according to this owner, it's not. And so as he maybe weighs and balances the other things that are in the vineyard, for example, you know, if he has vines with grapes and they're producing things for wine, you know, that, that, that's something. But this tree, to bear figs, not doing it, he, he comes to this point, the owner does, and just says, why, why should we keep having this tree? So then next, we see another person who's part of this parable. It's the gardener. Now, some texts will use the phrase vine dresser or simply the one who tended the garden. But let's look at a few things that the gardener says, and then we're going to dive into some application points. First, it's interesting, but the gardener intercedes on behalf of the tree. Sir, let's leave it alone for another year. Now, maybe the gardener knows the past few years, maybe the rains or other conditions might have been set against the tree and it's not able to fruit out as it should. The gardener doesn't argue with the owner over it. He sets a reasonable time frame, but he wants to give it one more shot, one more chance. Here's the second thing. The gardener wants to dig around it. Now, some texts may talk about a trench, but essentially the gardener is talking about an important piece of gardening here. You know, soil, grass, other plants can tend to grow up over a tree trunk roots and, and it blocks sunlight and water from getting to the places where the tree needs it most. The trenching helps focus, or as some texts may say, quote, give special attention. 
it, it helps focus these things so that the tree can have things like water, air, light, and get what it needs to and get it to where it needs it to. Sometimes too, when things are too close to a tree trunk, it can cause disease or rot. So we don't know exactly what's going on with this tree, but the trenching that the gardener is talking about is pretty standard work. It's a pretty standard practice to, uh, to take care of a tree. Third thing, the gardener talks about using fertilizer for the tree. Now this fertilizer probably is like a manure. Essentially it has nutrients that the soil itself doesn't have. It's extra. Maybe even this gardener has a special blend that he might use for this particular tree. Whatever it is, whatever's going on, the fertilizer, the manure, this treatment is going to be special and it's going to be unique to the tree and to the situation and to the place where it is in the garden. You know, if this, for example, if the tree's on a slope, he might have to treat it a little bit differently. If the tree's kind of overgrown, right, digging the trench, he, he digs that back, pulls things back, and then has to apply a certain blend of fertilizer. Like the gardener kind of knows and understands these things, right? We don't get all that detail in the parable, but we can imagine it if you've ever done any gardening yourself. The fourth thing is this. In the last analysis, the gardener gives this sort of evaluative criteria. Either the tree bears the fruit after this year, or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then it's going to be time to cut it down, to remove it, to move on from it. Well, let's get to work on some of the application points of this parable. As a chaplain, I've shared this parable a lot of times when I provide pastoral counseling or spiritual direction. And as I talk with people, I usually start with a short summary or even say, hey, let's read this text together, just like we have in this this pod, and let me explain a few things. The work then comes about appropriately applying this. I've found that oftentimes in football, there's a relationship not bearing fruit. So think about it for a moment. If you're a coach, maybe there's an athlete that you've brought into the team. Perhaps they haven't produced or, you know, like you've hoped, in spite of all your attempts to coach and speak into their abilities or their lives, they're just not producing. Maybe the deficiency isn't so much about football performance related issues, but maybe it's something about their character, their place in the locker room, um, where, where they are with the club. You know, some other relationship and connect points where this parable might be applicable might be from a team chairman to a coach or between two colleagues or two equals. The point is that there's a relationship that is diseased or not flourishing, not producing the fruit it ought to. And in some natural things that we would think, uh, based on your relationship, we should see some of these things happening. So take a minute. Maybe you can think of a relationship right now that fits this owner and, and this sort of diseased tree relationship. Okay, so the owner of the vineyard, understandably, is ready to end the relationship. It's the gardener who intercedes and offers a plan. And in many situations that I've shared this parable, I typically understand myself, the chaplain, to be the gardener. Not that I'm some great expert on human flourishing and relationships, but it's a lot of my work and study and time. So just like the gardener in the parable, You know, there's no guarantee that the extra time, effort, energy will actually end up producing fruit, but the gardener is asking for that plan and process to be given a chance for the sake of the owner and for the sake of the tree. So let me get a little deeper into an example of this parable in action. 
I've created a true but kind of fictional story here based on a cross-section of some of my own experiences. So in a way, it's kind of like my own football parable. Here we go. Coach comes to me. Rev, I'm getting trouble getting Jimmy to respond. He's been with us for this long, and even though there's flashes of brilliance, there are too many moments where he just ruins it for himself and for the rest of the team. I'm afraid I'm going to have to let him go. Now, at this point, I might ask some details, get a little bit more of the story if I don't know it or understand it myself. But then, going through this parable, I might encourage the coach to take the following principles on as a way to give one more chance or to see, you know, is your intuition as a coach really accurate? Or does it just need a little bit more time and investment? Hey, coach, I hear Jimmy's been a struggle. I get that. Perhaps it's the pressure of being a pro. Or, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this, the diagnosis of his mother contracting cancers, kind of preventing him from being able to be all that you had hoped him to be. So let me just encourage a bit of a plan here. First, let's set a standard of time. Principle number one. Now, let me pull back from the story. Now, the standard of time is something that's conditioned by several factors. You know, maybe there's a particular situation. Maybe it's a relationship, coach to an athlete, for example. But the principle of time is is needed to see if any of the other elements of the story are able to be effective in making change. And usually, I try and help the coach understand, or, or this person, what's reasonable. Is it a month's time, a year's time, until the end of a season, till the end of a contract? As a chaplain, I might have to work with someone to understand what that length of time is, but ultimately, they are the owner of the vineyard, so to speak, and they have to make the determination of time. So back to the example. Hey, coach, secondly, now that we've kind of established a a time frame, let's dig a trench. In other words, let's put up a clear boundary around this person for your sake and for theirs. Now, the boundary could be around the person or situation. It could be a few other things. Again, these things kind of have to be explored. For example, you know, there might need to be a period of time when a player is not around the team or around the organization or around football altogether. The trench helps build a protective barrier for the person and for everyone else that's that's working in the vineyard, so to speak, or with the team. Uh, You know, think of some of the relationships that exist elsewhere in the organization. If this person, if this relationship is truly diseased or, or um, you know, disabled or, or are dying, it can end up affecting other people. You know, we, we've all seen locker rooms that perhaps, you know, one person's kind of angry, sullied at the coach in their relationship, and they, they start talking to others, and, you know, all of a sudden this poison kind of gets spread throughout the locker room, and everyone's turning against the coach, coaching staff, and supporting the athlete. Now, to be clear here, I want to be really clear here. I am not talking about abusive situations. In fact, you know, it could be that athletes need to turn around and use this parable, as I said earlier, in the opposite direction. If there's an abusive coach, verbally or in, or other ways, they might need to put the coach and the relationship into this parable, into this framework, and understand that there's a there's a diseased or dying relationship here, and I've got to put up some boundaries, and, and I have to seek out some help, some external things to kind of help me with these things. Okay, so next thing. Getting on to, we, we've got some good boundaries in place. We have a time frame that's kind of set. Now we start to consider what kinds of, of fertilizer might be added to help this tree grow or recover. Essentially, what are the external things needed for this relationship to flourish, and blossom and grow as it should. I usually 
you know, I firmly believe that these things are usually external to the relationship and external even to the organization or the club. You know, sometimes a coach, an executive may not have an extensive knowledge about what kind of resources might be applied to to these things. Uh, sometimes they might even think that people within the club might be able to help, but because of certain things, it, it gets in the way of the relationship. So sometimes we really have to go external on these things. We have to find people that don't have, um, you know, as much, uh, you know, their, their relationships just, just different. Let me just put it that way. You know, they don't have the same skin in the game. They're objective, for example. And, and this is where I think the counsel of someone like a gardener, someone who works in this area tends to be pretty helpful. So, you know, for example, as a chaplain, I might ask some of these questions. Coach, it, does Jimmy need to meet with a counselor? I've, I've got a few. Let me, make, let me make some recommendations. Or, you know, what if I met with Jimmy as a chaplain? Let me see if he's got any faith background that might help him in this moment or to understand, like, what he's facing. Maybe I'll even ask a coach, does, does Jimmy need a leave of absence or need to be able to go home for a few days? Or maybe we need to get some different kinds of help for Jimmy, in our example. Well, certain things will provide different outcomes, and some may not be as helpful as others. It's important to not just check a box and believe it's going to produce a result. You know, many times in football, we can pick a program and think, well, this should cover everything, and that's it. Each person, each relationship, as I said earlier, this tree is unique. Its place in the garden and the team is complex. It's unique to itself. And it's almost like there's a personal plan that's needed to rescue or recover the relationship and help restore this person, this relationship to, to ourselves and to the rest of the rest of the team, the rest of the organization. You know, sometimes I've seen footballers sent away to have sensitivity type training, but it's not been thought through very well. And it tends to be general catch all type of programs, and it may not exactly address the need. It, it might be part of the plan, but it can't be all. You know, if you're the owner in any of these cases and you're seeking to restore a relationship to see it grow and produce more fruit, I really want to encourage you, you might need the insight and help of that gardener who is more versed in human flourishing and relationships to kind of help understand what's the best external kind of things to try to restore this. Now, finally, we can get into these types of situations and we can feel it's hopeless or we can feel helpless like there's no end in sight. But the truth is, is that with the guidance and help of someone in a role, like a gardener, that can help the coach, can help the executive, anyone in an owner type role. And it helps you feel like you've done the due diligence in giving the relationship one more chance, a certain period of time, and all these external things to try and see if it might change or might become productive and flourishing. So let me do a rapid fire little summary here wrap us up for today's technical area lesson. But before I do, maybe you're a coach, club executive, an athlete, and maybe this parable is resonating with you in a particular way. Let me encourage you. Do you have a chaplain? Do you have someone around the club that can serve in this objective, relationship-tending kind of capacity? Is there someone that's mutually trusted to help restore the relationship that's damaged or diseased or dying? If not, let me suggest you reach out to us at Soccer Chaplains United. Our work is to help place volunteer chaplains with football clubs to help with these kinds of moments and others too. Our chaplains typically have the skill sets and the training to help with 
relationships and help navigate this and and help with the flourishing between people, regardless of where they may be coming from in a faith or religious perspective. So let me give that short summary from Luke 13 from our text. If you have a relationship in your life struggling to flourish, using these principles in Luke 13, 6 through 9, I think could be really helpful. Number one, employ the help of a skilled people person, a chaplain, a counselor. Number two, give a certain length of time for the relationship to be restored or to start bearing fruit. Third, create sound, protective boundaries for yourself, for that other person. And then finally, Add the external nutrients into the relationship that might help it flourish and grow. If after that set period of time, you don't see the relationship flourishing or starting to produce fruit, then it might be time to move on. Don't be haphazard in your work around the relationship. Don't leave it to some program. But if after being intentional, you don't see it flourishing, then let it go and give your time, efforts, and energies to others that dwell in the garden space of work and life. Thanks for listening to Rev Brad in the technical area. Don't forget to give the podcast a rating and review and check out more content on soccerchaplainsunited.org. This is Ross Folly. Have a great day.